Good morning. I'm Dan Crocker, and you're listening to NPR News. Filling in today for Angela Davis. So glad you could join us today. So it is February now when winter feels kind of like it will never end. The snow-covered ground, the icy sidewalks, sub-zero temperatures. It all might have you feeling like you want to stay inside. And maybe you're comfortable and warm right now. And the last thing on your mind is to do something active outdoors. Perhaps you're new to the Midwest and it's winters and now you're questioning why you moved here in the first place. But even if you're not from a cold climate, you too can learn to embrace winter. It gives you an opportunity to experience nature through the coldest months of the year. It's good for your mental and physical health. It can be as thrilling as plunging into cold water or climbing up an ice-covered cliff, but there are also experiences that embrace the stillness and the peacefulness of winter. Today, we're going to talk about how you can enjoy Minnesota's cold winters. Joining me are three NPR News reporters who will share their stories from their new-to-them winter pastime activity from our Winter Play series. I also have two guests who will be joining me in a couple minutes to talk about their efforts to get people outdoors in the wintertime and why you might want to get outside during the coldest months of the year. And we want to hear about your winter activities, too. What do you like to do outdoors during the winter season? What benefits do you get from being outside when it's cold? And what is on your winter activity bucket list? Tell us what you've always wanted to do. The phone lines are open. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. You can tweet me at Dan underscore Crocker. That's K-R-A-K-E-R. We're going to start our conversation with NPR's Kirsty Marone and Amy Felagy. Regina Medina is going to join us a little later in the program. Kirsty Marone is a correspondent for NPR News. She's based in central Minnesota. Kirsty, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, Dan. It's good to be here. Hey, and Amy Felagy, she's an associate digital producer with NPR News based up in Moorhead. Amy, welcome. Good morning. So, Kirsty, I want to start with you. Your story on fat tire biking just aired earlier this week. Um, and I know this was your first time uh, taking a fat tire bike ride. So tell us about it. What was it like? You know, it was a really fun experience um, and, you know, not really what I expected. Um, the day we went, it was really beautiful out. There was bright sunshine. There'd been a lot of snow previously um, in the week before. So it sort of blanketed the trees. And we were on this trail that kind of wound through a forest and past frozen lakes. And it was just really peaceful and quiet, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Is that what you, you said? It wasn't what, what you expected. Was it that? Was it the solitude of it? Yeah. You know, and I think I thought it would be a little more scary. Uh, I think I was picturing more <laughs> like mountain biking. Um, and this was, it was different. I mean, um, it, you know, it was just really smooth riding. Um, you're on this bike with, you know, fat tires, uh, quite a bit wider than a mountain bike. They're about four inches wide. So that uh, really gives you more traction. The tires have these little metal studs in them. Um, and you kind of just float down the trail because you um, you keep the tire pressure pretty low in those tires. And the trails are groomed, so they're actually pretty smooth. And um, yeah, it's just, it was a lot smoother than, than a mountain biking over a rough trail. Cool. Well, we have some audio, uh, Kirsty, of you riding your bike. So let, let's take a listen. The trees are all covered with snow. It's just really beautiful. The edges of the trail are really soft. So you really want to stay in the middle. If you get too far off to the edge, you kind of sink down. 
So where was this, Kirsty? Where'd you go? We went to Cuyuna Country State Recreation Area. That's oh, sure. um, near Crosby, east of Brainerd. And, you know, it's just one of the best places in Minnesota for, for mountain biking or fat tire biking. They have about 40 miles of trails that they groom in the winter for, for biking. And it's just, it's really nice. So I know you bike during the summer, Kirsty. Um, and, and you said it, it wasn't as scary as you thought, but was it, was it challenging? Was it hard? Yeah, you can kind of hear me uh, breathing heavily there in, the, in that audio. Um, you know, it's definitely a workout, um, but I was able to keep up with the group, it was, and they were definitely more experienced than I was. Um, you really don't need to be a super athlete. Um, like I said, it, you know, it's kind of smoother riding, and you're not riding very fast either. Um, and I think those wider tires, you know, really make it easier. I did learn that it is important to stay in the middle of the trail where the, the snow is uh, groomed and packed because the edges do get pretty soft. Well, I, I, we actually have a recording <laughs> that speaks to that. So let's, let's, let's listen again. <laughs> okay, so passing is not a good idea. <laughs> I love it. A snow angel. So, Kirstie, describe <laughs> what happened there. Yeah, so we had come up upon a, a slower rider, and I uh, was getting kind of confident at that point. And I thought, oh, I can just kind of squeeze past her and uh, got too close to the edge. And my bike just sort of sunk down into the snow, um, which it, that's the snow angel that I made, the imprint in the snow. But, you know, it, it didn't hurt at all. It's very soft. And we all just kind of laughed and got up and kept going. I love it. Uh, Amy, I want to hop to you now. Um, so you picked an adventure um, a little bit more chill than, than, than fat bike, fat tire riding. You, uh, you went bird watching for your winter play story. So tell us about it. What did you do? Yes, I chose an activity that would not threaten my life, unlike Dan's ice climbing <laughs> and Regina's uh, activity that we'll get to later. Um, no, thanks. Um, so I was bird watching or birding for three hours at Forest River Park in Fargo, which is just across the river from Moorhead, Minnesota in Northwest Minnesota. And I was birding for three hours. And I think I saw the same number of birds. You, yeah, you, oh, you mean you saw three birds in three hours? Yeah. Um, I, I set out to prove that bird watching or birding isn't boring. And honestly, I was I was right and wrong. So yes, it's exciting to find that first bird, and mine was a brown creeper. But also embrace the boring. You know, we live in such a hurried world, so I got to bask in some birding, some stillness. I got to stop for a while and listen, look at some snowy trees like Kirsty did, um, and listen to the birds singing for you. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Amy, let's listen to some sound that you captured uh, when you were out in the field in Fargo. Amy, describe what we're what we're hearing here and kind of paint a picture for us. Tell us tell us what you're seeing. Well, disclaimer: I have no idea what bird calls <laughs> those are. Uh, it was my first time ever birding. Um, I could hear a ton of birds. I couldn't necessarily see them. I don't have 20/20. So, if any listeners are privy to that sound, learn me up seriously. Um, but we were in this 
park that's actually designated as an important bird area by the National Audubon Society and BirdLife International. Um, so it was very clear that we were in a bird's space. It was this nice little loop, took us around about half an hour. We went several times trying to find more birds. Um, hearing our boots crunch on the snow, listening for birds, basking in the sun. It was surprisingly not a windy day. Fargo's claim to fame is the wind. So we got to escape that for a day, which was nice. So did you, I mean, you didn't see a, a ton of birds. Did you, did you enjoy it? What, did, what, did you have a good time? Oh, I absolutely did. Yeah. I, I would have stayed out there longer, but I, I wore gloves that were perfect for changing the focus on my binoculars, but not necessarily keeping my fingers warm. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. It was nice to just kind of slow down. And, you know, we have such a stressful job sometimes just looking at a hundred different things at once. It was nice to yeah. get out and enjoy this place that is actually new, a new home for me as well. Yeah. So you think you'll do it again? Oh yeah. I mean, I bought $60 pair of binoculars. I got to well, make some right. well, out of you... them. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to go out again. Maybe see some more birds next time. Hopefully. Kirsty, what about you? Do you think you're going to try fat biking again? Yeah, I would really love to. I mean, uh, this group I went out with, and there's these groups all over the state, you know, that, that ride together. They were super encouraging and um, supportive. And it's. I think it's really a nice to go out with a group like that. They can kind of show you the ropes. And um, they invited me to come back with them. And I definitely want to. Um, We rented bikes. So, you know, it's you don't need to invest a ton of money up front. And um, a lot of times these bike shops will do group rides or, you know, offer special rates. So I I definitely want to go back. Yeah. And Christy, um, before I let you go, um, I want to put you on the spot here because it was actually you who conceived of the idea of this winter play series several months ago. And uh, I'm curious, could you explain why, you know, kind of the inspiration behind it, why you pitched it to our editors? Yeah, you know, we'd been covering just a lot of really serious news lately. And, you know, of course, that's really important. That's, That's what we do. But I think we all we're feeling like we needed to do something that would be kind of fun and and maybe bring the audience along with us when as we tried these new things or new to us. Um, and it was also a really great chance to experiment with different ways of um, doing that. So, you know, different ways of recording audio and video. We wore GoPro cameras and we really wanted to give our readers and listeners a sense of, you know, that they were actually there with us experiencing this. And then also maybe encourage people to try something that they'd never done before, you know, like, hey, I survived this. Wasn't that bad. You can do it too. So (laughs) we really tried to pick a variety of activities, you know, some that weren't very expensive or that are accessible to anybody. You don't need to have superhuman athletic skills. Well, I appreciate you coming up with the idea. So thank you. That's Kirsty Marone. She's a, a correspondent for NPR News. She's based in central Minnesota. Also joining us was Amy Fallagy. She's an associate digital producer with NPR News based in Moorhead. Hey, thanks to you both for being on the show. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. All right. So we are talking about winter activities. We just heard about fat tire biking. We heard about birding. But what do you like to do outdoors during the winter season? Give me a shout, 651-227-6000. Tell me about the benefits you get from being outside when it's cold. 
Maybe with something that's on your winter activity bucket list that you haven't had a chance to do yet. Give us a call, 800-242-2828. I want to bring our other guests into the conversation now. We have with us uh, here in Duluth, Randy Carlson, who is a snow kiting co-coordinator at the University of Minnesota Duluth Recreational Sports Outdoor Program. Randy, welcome to the program. Good morning, Dan. Thank you. Absolutely. Also with us, Claire Wilson. She's executive director of the Lopit Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that works to connect people to the outdoors through experiences that grow community. Claire, thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yay, winter. Yay, winter, right? We've got to celebrate it if we have to deal with it for months. That's what I say. Um, Randy, I want to go to you first. Um, I, I got to say, you must have the coolest job title in Duluth, uh, if not the entire state. So, so tell us, tell us what it is you do. What is, what exactly is snow kiting for those who are not in the know? <laughs> well, my job title evolved over four decades, uh, working with UMD's recreational sports outdoor program, which is a student of division life, uh, division of student life rather. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've had the opportunity to teach people on rivers and uh, and in the wintertime, the snow kiting involves alpine skis or snowboards and a kite that will pull you along across a snow-covered lake. Well, paint a picture. Describe what it's like when you're doing this. It sounds a little crazy and fun and exciting. What's it like? Yeah, this activity is is uh, quite the opposite of hiding from the wind. We, we're riding the wind, and uh, these kites can pull you on your alpine skis or snowboard anywhere from 5 to 40-plus miles an hour if you want to go that fast. And it's much like sailing. You're uh, on crosswind reaches. And uh, in the wintertime, you know, it's, it's a remarkably quiet sport. Mm. Um, the, you know, in soft snow... With the kite pulling you, you you make very little sound, and uh, that feeling of uh, of glide, weightlessness, acceleration is uh, is really satisfying. And and uh, people pursue the best windy days and uh, get out there with with this equipment. Yeah, Randy, I heard that you um, just had a student maybe last week who sort of described that experience of. Once they had sort of the equipment figured out and were out there doing it, just kind of getting lost in the moment. Could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, is that kind of what you what you go for when you're out there? Yeah, well, uh, being a college student can be pretty stressful, and having opportunities to exercise out in nature is really healthy uh, physically and and mentally. And um, this is a difficult sport. You have to bring your alpine ski or snowboard skills. Uh, in sync with piloting a kite. And um, after about eight hours of practice, and you crash the kite when you're learning, um, she was free riding and things started to come together and she described it as everything disappeared. So for Mm -hmm. a a student to have 100% focus on what they're doing and enjoying that moment is is worth the effort to get there. We're talking today about 
winter play, getting outside during the winter, the benefits of doing that, the challenges to doing it too. Give us a call. Share your experiences. Tell us what you like to do in the winter, the benefits you derive from it. 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Let's go to the phones. We have a caller on the line. June from Jackson is with us. June, thanks so much for calling in. What did you have to say? Well, many of your listeners are over the age of 60 and Mm -hmm. love to walk. But in the winter, it is treacherous. So what can you recommend for those of us who are at risk for fall and osteoporotic fracture? What can you recommend that we do? That's a great question. And I wanted to... Claire, I'll throw that to you. I'll put you on the spot. Do you have any? Do you have? Do you have any recommendations uh, for for June there on how to how to stay safe? Because she's right. I mean, we've all experienced it in this winter, especially that it it can be slippery out there. Oh, absolutely, June. <clears throat> we hear this all the time, and I would say there's a couple of things we recommend. I mean, one of course is um, getting some some yak tracks or you know cleats for your boots that will help stabilize you. Um, as well as, you know, cross-country ski poles or short poles that can help folks keep their balance. But quite honestly, in years like this, where the snow is so wonderful, going out um, with poles and a pair of snowshoes, or, you know, we have many, many folks who visit us and learn to cross-country ski, even after the age of 60, absolutely, because it is a gentle, lifelong sport. So there are lots of ways to get out and enjoy it and be safe. It might even be safer to get off the sidewalks, Claire, and Absolutely. get it without get in the, that with, fluffy with, snow. Because then, if you do fall, it it, it might not hurt so bad. Um, Claire, uh, I'm so glad you're with us. Uh, you are, of course, with the Lopet Foundation, uh, which is based in at Theodore Worth's Park, right? That's right. We are a year-round um, organization, but our jam and our joy is winter. And we operate, yes, out of Theodore Worth, which for those who aren't familiar, is a wilderness area the size of Central Park, right in the heart of Minneapolis. So you can come visit us at the trailhead and you can rent skis, snowshoes, fat tire bikes. We have tubing. We have snowboarding. Um, and of course, we're known for grooming miles and miles of world-class cross-country country ski trails that connect the city. Um, but of course, our biggest driver is just to create the most welcoming and inclusive and joyful environment for people to experience the winter in the heart of the city. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, I'm really interested in talking sort of about access and opportunity um, in this conversation. Um, you know, especially in the winter, a lot of outdoor activities can be you know, can be seen as as being a pretty white space. To be honest, can be seen oh. be seen as pretty intimidating. You know, often they require some expertise, some equipment. Can be pretty expensive sometimes. Um, well, first of all, I guess do you agree with that? And then, um, what do, what are you doing to try to break down some of those barriers? I absolutely agree with that. And you know, there are uh, many many things that contribute to the fact that white dominant outdoor spaces can feel. Not only unwelcoming, but quite honestly, historically, outdoor spaces have been hostile for folks of color. And so we have been working very closely with leaders in the outdoor industry who are promoting access and equity, like Asha Schaffner at BIPOC Outdoors and Anthony Taylor and Linnea with Melanin in Motion, Monica Bryan with the Urban Bird Collective. And we really believe that engaging and partnering with community um, helps to break down um, that white dominant atmosphere that 
um, creates an environment <clears throat> in which people don't feel welcome to participate in these sports. And that's, you know, that's systemic racism at play. And so, sure, there's lots of barriers, but the biggest barrier is, you know, dismantling that that systemic racism in outdoor spaces. So we do that in a variety of ways, uh, both by promoting programming and safe spaces for folks to be, but also just by being very open to wel- and welcoming to beginners and all folks and to create a really diverse community around winter sports, which we, we are uniquely positioned to do because we are in a park that bridges the entire city. In a state that has received a lot of snow uh, this winter, lots of snow to play on. Uh, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about winter play in in this this hour. Uh, we're running a series of stories over the next couple of weeks with NPR News about winter play and trying out new activities in the winter. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Tell us about what you do to get outdoors and the benefits you derive from doing that. Give us a call, 800-242-2828. Or six five one two two seven six thousand. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Paul is with us from Fargo. Um, Paul, thanks for joining. What'd you What'd you have to share? Uh, I'm a cross country ski buff. Uh, you know the type. I uh, get on uh, some days on the lazy days. I'll just go and ski around the lake, perfectly flat. Some days I'll get really wild haired and ski up into the hills and up the hills and down the hills. That's a challenge. And and for what it's worth, cross-country skiing is the highest calorie-burning exercise there is. So I use it to keep in shape and just, you you know, just getting out in nature and just enjoying it. Paul, thank you so much for calling. I uh, stay with me for a sec because I am also a cross-country skier. Um, I, I often joke to people, and I don't even know if it's a joke that I don't know if I could handle Duluth's <laughs> six-month-long winters if I didn't ski and didn't get outside. I mean, what's the experience like for you when you when you're out there skiing? What is it that you like? To, wh- why is it that you like to do it so much? Well, one thing, like I say, it's an exercise, and uh, you know, it's kind of a unique exercise and. Uh, like I say, it's the highest calorie burner. Uh, my excuse to get out in the snow, I love it in the snow. I'm one, of, you know, I'm one of the weirdos. When it gets down to forty below, I'm just having a blast out there, and uh, just it's enjoyable. And uh, you really like feel like you're accomplishing something because you're, like I say, getting exercise and just enjoyable, especially getting up into the hills and and so on. So I really like it. Excellent. Paul, thanks so much for calling. Really uh, appreciate you sharing sharing your experiences with us. Let's go to another caller. We have uh, Richie from Minnetonka who uh, is joining us. Richie, you're, you're a broomball player, huh? Well, in quotes, yeah. That's the reason I'm <laughs> calling in because, you know, I had never done it. I'm middle-aged. And a parent at our kid's school invited me to come play one time. They have extra stuff. You know, it's kind of friendly, like pickleball had been known to be. You know, sort of a welcoming sport. Um, a lot of people who play oftentimes need need more players, and they'll add you to a mailing list. So it's, it's pretty open and welcoming. And I went probably about seven years ago, six, seven years ago, and I absolutely loved it. Didn't require a lot of com- com- uh, equipment. It wasn't super expensive. I used their equipment the first couple times and went to play it again and got a used stick and some broomball shoes. Um, yeah, and it's just it's outside on an ice rink. You don't have to know how to skate or buy all the expensive hockey equipment. Um, and it's just it's beautiful, especially when it's snowing. 
That's awesome. Hey, Richie, thanks so much for, for calling in and sharing that experience. And you brought up something I, I wanted to talk about, and I might throw this to um, throw this to our guests, and maybe Randy can weigh in on this. But, you know, I was reflecting on, for this, for this winter play series we did here at NPR News, we all tried out an activity we had never tried before, and I, I went ice climbing for the first time. And it's you know, uh, it's it's you got to put yourself out there, and it's it's hard to try to try an activity that you've never tried before. Um, um, it can be a little humbling. Uh, and Randy, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, is that part of what you see in terms of the value of getting outdoors and and trying stuff? Is just sort of, you know, getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and trying trying some of these activities that might seem a little crazy, but once you get into them, can be pretty rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. the The reward is there. Um, you don't have to uh, be certain of every move that you make. There's there's people that can help you uh, develop skills and knowledge. And um, if if you bring a um, steady approach, um, humble and alert, you you can accomplish some pretty interesting things. And it uh, it's nice to take past knowledge and add to it. So. Mm-hmm. It allows you to explore more places and uh, meet more people. Claire, I wanted to ask you, I imagine you deal with folks who don't have a lot of experience outdoors. I mean, what do you, what are some words of advice you might have to folks who might have a little, um, little trepidation, <laughs> a little, little, little anxiety about getting outside and doing some of this stuff? I would say that, you know, what we have learned is that when we're providing uh, instruction, whether it's in the schools, right, we have programs in the schools teaching kids to cross-country ski, or whether it's people coming to learn how to fat tire bike or how to snowshoe or tube or snowboard or cross-country ski, it's really just reminding folks that if you dress appropriately, which is, you know, just making sure that you're warm, these activities get you moving. And so, you know, the cold is not a barrier. Once you're out there and moving, you will warm up very quickly. And all of these sports, like like what Paul was saying, I mean, once you start cross-country skiing, it is it is a total game changer for the winter because you get out there, you're not afraid of it, your anxiety decreases tenfold. And really, I just tell folks who it's their first step to just, you know, bundle up, get out there and just know that, you know, snow is our superpower in Minnesota. If you live in Florida, you go to the beach here, you better get in the snow. The cold is a state of mind, right, Claire? At least that's what they say. <laughs> hey, I'm from Louisiana, so I, I moved here for the snow. <laughs> well, if, if you can do it, we all can do it then. Let's, uh, I want to go back to the phones real quick here before we have to take a break for news. Let's go to Anthony, who's called in from Minneapolis. Hey, Anthony, thanks for holding on. What do you want to share? I, well, I want to share one. Claire is a superhero in my neighborhood. Um, awesome. <laughs> hi, Claire. And, uh, but, but more importantly, I think that the, one of the things we can do with all of the outdoor, particularly winter outdoor sports, is really don't treat them like sports. Like, let people know that these are actually opportunities for people to connect more deeply to themselves, um, that they're opportunities for us to connect to uh, and build community. And all of these sports with wonderful and i got involved you know less than 10 years ago is that it's something that we actually get better with as we do it more it is not grounded in our old connections around sport and athleticism and all the judgment that people bring to this these are really opportunities to 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 learn something new that's progressive that you get better at and 
that we build community and do it together. And, and it is and connecting to outdoors in the way that we can do it in Minnesota with the unique opportunities that winter offers is, is really important to our well-being and our humanity. And, and I think when we put them in those frames, we start to attract people who are looking for wellness, not sports. And, and so much of what Claire's work is, is really connecting people deeply to opportunities around outdoors to find themselves, to connect to their families. And so I, I love that about what we can do in winter and with, with all the winter sports. So, Anthony, real quick, what's your jam in the winter? What do you like to get out and do? You know, I love to get out with people that are starting. So I, I ski and I fat bike. Fat biking is what I probably love most. Um, but I have learned a, a lot about uh, getting outdoors and doing winter camping. Um, it's been really an amazing last few years of winter camping and learning to connect families to winter camping in Ely um, and what that means. And so it's really, it's really been uh, beautiful to just have those new experiences. Hey, Anthony, really appreciate you calling in and sharing your perspective. We've got a lot of people on the line, and I want you to hold on, please. Appreciate your patience. I want to hear from you. But first, I want to go to uh, Regina Medina, because you're going to want to hear this story. She is uh, Regina is an NPR news correspondent for the Race, Class, and Communities reporting team. Hey, Regina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So our listeners may not know this yet, because your story isn't going to air until Monday during All Things Considered. But you went ice dipping, ice swimming for the first time in your life recently. Um, so so tell, I, I got to hear about this. Tell me about it. Well, <clears throat> um, Elizabeth Shockman, who also works here um, as an education reporter, she invited me. And um, I had wanted to do uh, like dipping into very cold water, but I had wanted to do that with a sauna and go back and forth. But this sauna was not part of it. So I said I'd still go. And um, we went and I went in and it was kind of a surreal experience, because I felt the cold, but it wasn't bothering me. And um, I had to have my hands up. So in the pictures, it looks like um, Elizabeth and I are hostages. (laughs) Um, that's what her term was. And, um, excuse me, but I think, um, when I got out, you know, I was dripping and, you know, it was crazy because they basically, um, the, the, I, I, we turned for advice, um, from this Facebook group that, um, dips into Lake Harriet and, um, the two women, um, had, had, advised us about exit strategies once we got out. They told us that even though we'd get out and we'd feel fine, that our body's temperatures would continue to go down. Our core's um, temperature would continue to go down. So we had to get to the car ASAP. So they told me to lay the robe that I was going to wear after I got out Um out and put my car keys in the pocket so that I would just just sprint back to my car, which is what I did. And um, so it took a while for me to warm up. I was probably there for half an hour with my car on, just trying to feel um, <laughs> normal again, I guess, or warm yeah. again. Yeah. 
Hey, um, Regina, uh, we have we. I know your story hasn't aired yet, but we actually have um, we actually have a, a little bit of sound from your experience that we wanted to share with our listeners. Yeah, slow. Out your mouth. Do you know when I got it in? Like needles on yep. my leg. You're doing really well, Regina. Oh my gosh. Elizabeth, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, in the nose. It just feels really cold. Do feel yeah. cold? Yeah. Like super cold. Like yeah. you can't get colder than what I'm in right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't wait to tell everybody that I'm doing this. Her energy is amazing. And my my nose is running. So <laughs> I'm sorry to the audience. Regina, you're like, I love yeah. your Well, I told a friend of mine in Philly last night, and he just was, like, impressed. So I feel very proud of myself right now. Okay, my feet are starting to get really cold, so I'm going to go out now because the feet started. Hold on. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay, you're going to hold me, right? I got the ladder, Nicole. I got the ladder. You got it. That's amazing. Oh boy! Wow, that was that. That's that sounded. I I could hear how cold it was. So so is this was this like a whole cut in the ice that that you jumped in or what? Yep. No jumping. <laughs> we went, no jumping. Uh, we, 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 um, stepped our way into it. There's a ladder in the water. Um, yeah, every morning or every day, I should say, I don't know what time they get there. These women who, um, ice dip, they will, um, you know, break the ice with some sort of, um, you know, broom or, um, a rake, like a leaf rake, and they'll break the ice. Because overnight it will freeze. And so it's on Lake Harriet in, um, like I said, in Minneapolis. And you have to walk to it, which is like all ice and snow. And just it, I feel like it was a more of a mental activity mm-hmm. in terms of the panic um, beforehand because I was – I was very excited about doing it. And then when I got to the lake, it became real. And I just got nervous. And I believe Elizabeth was also nervous. Um, and we we just were, like, talking about it. And then, you know, we had to prepare our exit strategy. We had to put on shoes. I was layered up the wazoo. I had swim leggings on, <laughs> three layers on top. And we... You know, she got in first. I came in second, but um, she left after about thirty or forty-five seconds, and I stayed there saying those things. And I will say again about the mental aspect of this yeah. is that, like that day, I was so confident. I felt I was making all the right decisions I needed to make that day. I was focused, and I just kept like patting myself on the back mentally. Um, I just, I just was um, a super confident person that day, and um, and hmm. I did it. You know, it was that challenge that you talked about, and yeah. I challenged myself, and I went through with it. <laughs> so I was happy. Well, Regina, I cannot wait to hear your story on Monday, and um, I'm so glad you joined us on the show. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. N- no problem. Thank you. That's Regina Medina. She's a NPR News correspondent for our race class and communities reporting team. Uh, and we're going to get to callers here in just a second. But first, I wanted to go to Randy, uh, Randy Carlson here at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Randy, because I know you can probably relate to 
Regina's story because I know you're a surfer in Lake Superior in often quite frigid waters. What did you hear in her talking about that that you can relate to? I mean, is 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 there something that that you that you like about getting into that that frigid water? Well, I I do enjoy surfing on Lake Superior, but Regina's courage uh maybe extends beyond mine. <laughs> I have a, a 6'5 hooded wetsuit on and 7 millimeter booties and mitts so I don't get it cold uh, and so that uh, exit strategy and when she talks about just preparing and learning from the experience yeah, I think uh, that is the reward and you could be an expert Lake Superior surfer or an expert ice dipper um, we have so many good options to choose from around here. It's it's pretty special. Absolutely. I want to go back to the phones now. We have a lot of folks waiting to get on. Jane is here from Duluth. Jane, I appreciate your patience. What did you want to share? No problem. Um, well, I cannot, I can no longer walk on the, I live outside of Duluth and mm-hmm. there's no safe place to walk my dogs and myself because I have some you know, medical issues. I walk every day when I can, but I can't, I can't do it since the big snows come. So when my driveway gets plowed out, I take a empty milk jug, any jug will do. And my, it's canine broom ball. And it's hysterical because the dogs <laughs> love the sound of that, of that empty jug. I just whack it down um, up the driveway in front of the garage and they chase after it. They run into each other. They fight over it. I pick it up, I drop it down, hockey puck drop, and they chase it. And, you know, I get 45 minutes of exercise with them and me, and I don't have to leave my yard. And I've even trained one of my dogs when he's misbehaving. I said, go to the penalty box, and he runs up a snowbank. So the kid, the kids, sometimes the neighbor kids come over with their hockey sticks, and they complain because they can't outrun the dogs. It's just I, <laughs> I had to do something to get them exercise because – it's just not fair with these cold um, days to not get them outside. And that's the only way I I can exercise them. And if your dog likes to chase or catch a ball, they'll do it. It's just innate in them to chase something that's moving. So anybody can do it if they have a driveway, a plowed out driveway. Jane, I love I love the creativity, and I'm so glad you, you called in to share that with us. Uh, we've got a lot of other callers waiting. If you want to get in on this conversation, give us a call at 651-227-6000. We're talking about getting outside and enjoying Minnesota winters. Let's go next to Maryland in Minneapolis. Maryland, thank you so much for waiting. What do you want to share with us? I wanted to share in 2021, I needed a vacation, so I signed up for ski lessons with Three Rivers Park at Highland Lake. And I hadn't cross-country skied for a long time. So um, the lessons were great. It was a, a super opportunity to meet new people and get some new pointers. I took beginner and then advanced to intermediate. And uh, nice. they make snow at Highland. So it's just a um, g- wonderful opportunity so close in the Twin Cities. The only problem is I haven't gone skiing this season. So something is keeping me back from going. But hopefully what we is have it? six more weeks. Uh, the cold. What's holding you back? <laughs> I do a lot of walking, but I just wasn't in the mood to go out skiing again this year. But I'm sure I'll get out before the snow melts. Awesome. Hey, Marilyn, uh, as a skier myself, I encourage you to get out there. Once you get moving, you get warm. I know. Oh, and thanks for mentioning that, Dan, because I'm a person who gets coldish. 
And I think a lot of people really benefit from those hand warmers. You can buy at REI. They're those packets. Maybe Randy or you can explain how they work, but they uh, you activate them with heat and you can put them in your gloves if your hands get nippy or in your boots. And they're really um, a big help for those of us who aren't super warm-blooded. Randy, did you want to uh, chime in on that? Or, uh, I use those hand warmers when I get cold. Are those pretty helpful? Yeah, they work if, if you keep them dry. Um, you know, they'll last for hours. Uh, it, you know, if you start with warm hands and feet, that's that's a big factor. I know with Lake Superior Surfing, I carry a jug of hot water, and I'll mm. pour it in my booties and mitts before I get into the lake. And so then... I just last a lot longer, but yes, you know, just tracking the temperature and snow condition and, and, uh, bringing a little extra equipment to adapt to, uh, what's happening out there in nature. It makes it much more enjoyable if you're prepared. Let's go back to the phones again. We've got Wayne on the line. Wayne, you have been very patient as well. I appreciate it. Thanks for holding on. What'd you want to share? Uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I work with an environmental environmental learning center, Agassiz Environmental Learning Center in Fertile, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we're doing a, a winter fest this weekend to encourage people to get out for have free skis and snowshoes and do some uh, um, snow snakes uh, competitions, such. But the main thing we we get school kids outdoors, and um, and we have some kids uh, with through the No Child Left Inside programs with the DNR, and yeah. they are w- with wheelchairs. And how do how do your guests uh, approach uh, trying to get kids we're trying to get everybody connected to nature so that accessibility issue when you have uh, people with disabilities to try to get them outdoors as well any tips that's a great question uh claire i'm going to throw this to you do you have do you have any thoughts on that yes thanks wayne so much for bringing that up because accessibility um is definitely something that we think and talk a lot about, especially around snow sports. So at the Lopit, we partner with Courage Kinney and offer adaptive skiing lessons on Tuesday nights. And we also have started providing, we have a festival this weekend as well in the Twin Cities, two week, two days of skijoring, skiing, Cubing, all kinds of things, mostly cross country skiing. But Wayne, so for what we have, we're partners in that as well. Um, but in all of our cross country ski races now, we've added an adaptive wave. So we have sit skiers who ski in our races and it's really a great way to model their joy in the activity. Um, but sit skiing is an activity that is growing. And I think working with our partners who, um, are working with folks to get them out, um, that's been incredibly helpful. We also work with folks and train folks how to be guides, um, for people who experience visual impairment. So there's a lot of ways to get outdoors. And I encourage people to look up folks who are working with folks with disabilities or visit our website and learn more about adaptive skiing. Excellent. Let's go back to the phones. Kathy in Minneapolis is on the line. Kathy, thanks for calling. What do you want to share? This is great. I'll make it quick. Um, I also have mobility issues. My outdoor um, activity is photography, and Mm. I still use film. I'm not a digital person. So my my problem is that when I go outside, um, I have to carry my camera under my jacket to keep it warm, and I use film. I'm not a digital person. So I love to photograph photograph nature. Um, And by keeping my camera warm, I just whip it out when I'm ready to take the picture because if I leave my camera out in the cold all the time, the shutter sticks. (laughs) 
and I can't advance the film. It's like it just all freezes up. So, you know, I I love to get the trees when they're full of snow or frost and um, animal tracks. And in the spring when the snow starts to melt, the babbling streams with snow still on the the top of the stream and stuff. And just um, enjoy nature that way. Kathy, thank you so much for calling. Great tips on getting outside and taking pictures. Rob is with us from St. Paul as well, who's a trail runner. Rob, thanks for calling. Rob, we lost Rob. Let's go to Rick from Excelsior. Rick, what do you want to share? Thanks for holding on. Hi, I just, well, I want to say Claire's my superhero too. <laughs> She's got a few fans. to say my, uh, my son, who's now 36 years old, learned to cross-country and downhill ski at Theaterworth Park and has since gone on to be, the last five years, he was a member of the U.S. Ski Mountaineering Team, which is backcountry skiing in a competitive format all over the world. They ski up and down 10,000 feet, vertical feet in an event. So it's pretty amazing that he learned to do that in relatively flat Minnesota and at Theaterworth Park. That is amazing. Thanks for sharing that. It is amazing to see some of the athletes, uh, of course, Jesse Diggins uh, and others who have come out of Minnesota learning on our, our relatively modest hills. Let's go to Amy from White Bear Lake. Amy, uh, what did you want to share? Thanks so much for calling in. Um, yes, I wanted to say that um, because I'm a mother of only one child, I like to specifically use the winter time for educational purposes for my daughter and some of her friends. So a lot of times I'll invite some of her inner city friends and we will go to like water's edge, such as like Minnehaha Falls or even the Lake Superior shores or like a river shore to show kids the different variations that occur at different stages of winter, such as like when the falls are extremely um, no trickling at all, or when the wind whips across Lake Superior and you have the ice stacking that comes up. I know the photographer before mentioned um, the idea that she does photography and I know that's a huge photography experience but I like to show kids um, just different stages of what happens with water it's kind of like a law in physics uh, for them and um, educational for everyone Amy that's awesome thanks so much for sharing that story I think we've got time for one more caller let's go to Sue in St. Cloud Sue thanks for holding on hi can you hear me hi I can what do you want to share Oh, I just want to share that um, I just I am a passionate cross-country skier and have been for many years, and and I just want to say that the the nature therapy and the de-stressing therapy has just been so key for me. I was a teacher for I just retired recently, and I was a teacher for many years, and I just keep my skis in the back of the car, and on the after work I'd go to this nice lighted ski area in St. Cloud, and just get on those peaceful snow-covered trails and escape from all the stresses of the day and it's it's just the most wonderful thing it's for me at even at age 67 it's pain-free exercise and the de-stressing and the joy of being in that perfect snow in a peaceful woods just can't be beat and last year I even um, took up ski joring because I adopted a retired sled dog and I had to I had to try it so now I'm doing ski joring with her (laughs) Sue, that's terrific. I got to cut you off. Uh, we're running out of time, but thank you so much for sharing that. And Randy, I wanted to go to you just for an, in a couple seconds. Sue spoke to that mental health aspect of this. Um, could you speak briefly to the benefits you, I mean, is that a big part of what draws you outside? Oh, absolutely. 
I've built my life uh, personally and professionally around water and wind and all the seasons that uh, northern Minnesota brings. And so when you get outside and explore, you, you come back home a better person. Randy, thank you so much. That's Randy Carlson. He's with the University of Minnesota Duluth Recreational Sports Outdoor Program. Also joining us this hour, Claire Wilson, Executive Director of the Lopit Foundation. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dan Crocker sitting in for Angela Davis here on NPR News. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.